Well, how's everybody doing today? Great? Fantastic. Had a great show. Isn't this awesome up here? My goodness, if you can't learn it here, you're not going to learn it anywhere. There are some great clinicians, and I thank you for being here with me today. Can you hear me okay? Okay, super. Um, what I'd like to do is just kind of let you understand where my perspective comes from as far as healthcare to start with. Because I have a little different twist on things. I'm not your traditional veterinarian anymore. I used to be. used to practice um, just like most every other veterinarian and had uh, all the vaccines and drugs and chemicals and steroids and all the stuff in the drawers that we would inject and, and, uh, or cut. And, but I'm not like that anymore. I kind of have a totally different approach to healthcare. So as we go along today, you'll probably uh, sense that. You'll understand that I'm not your uh, everyday veterinarian. Uh, that's not saying the others are wrong. I'm just saying that, it, you know, it's amazing to me that if you, if you give the body what it needs, it's amazing how it can heal itself. You know, healing is either from within or above. And uh, sometimes we interfere too much, in my opinion, with different drugs and chemicals. It's amazing on TV to see these drug commercials and to see all the side effects. Just drives you nuts, it does me. So um, I have a, a very much a nutritional aspect to healthcare. In fact, I've discovered over the years, since the early 90s, that pretty much anything you can take care of with nutrition, you know, um, that's giving the body what it needs to heal itself. And then sometimes you have to trigger the body to heal itself. And we can do things like that with chiropractic and acupuncture and some other modalities. Um, anyone in here have a more natural approach to health care? Okay, well, you're really going to have fun with me today. Because we're going to definitely uh, maybe open your eyes to some things that you're not aware of. You know, I love veterinary medicine. I mean, it's been, it was phenomenal for me when I was practicing conventional medicine, but the difference now is just like night and day. It's just like, can, can you imagine a natural approach to pest control? I mean, truly a natural approach to where you can keep the flies off your horses and keep the flies down in the barn. You know, most of us are just spraying like crazy, right? Or we have misters in the barn that are putting out a mist on a regular basis. Let's think about some of the potential consequences of those type things. Um, Or the stuff that you put on their back. You know, where do we pedal? Where do we hold when we get up on those horses? You know, usually. Uh, What about the spray in the barn? Uh, What are we breathing? You know, what are your horses breathing on a regular basis? Uh, Does that make sense? I mean, these are things that I didn't used to think about. But since I started looking at the whole approach, instead of just, you know, maybe what I learned in vet school or what I learned from the drug salesman or, or, um, you know, a more narrow approach, my life has totally changed as far as health care. Think about breathing. Think about how many people have a horse in here that might have an allergy problem, either a skin problem or a lung problem. There's several here. All right? Would it not make sense that we be very careful what we put on their skin or expose them to lung-wise? You know, it could be part of the allergy problem. It could be part of that uh, breathing problem, so to speak. So, as I went down a natural path, these things just kind of opened up to me, you know, not just uh, give them a steroid to stop the breathing problem or give them a steroid to stop the skin problem or, or 
give them an antihistamine for the wells that they might get from an allergy. And I started looking at things like, well, what might we cause that? You know, what are they missing in their diet? How can we hasten things along without those drugs and chemicals? Does this kind of make sense? Okay, so that's where I'm coming from. So before we go much further, I, I want to cover a lot of things that this house was passed, but I'd kind of like to know where you're coming from um, as far as what you do with your horses, because that, that can maybe kind of lead us down the path that we would uh, get the most out of it for you today. Uh, how many are, are trail riders in here? Okay, great, number of them. How many show? Several of those too. So we want to cover a little bit of both today. Um, I love the trail ride. My goodness, and, and, and there's nothing more exciting than a, than a good show too. So uh, I'm right at home here, to say the least. The trail ride, no question. Two biggest problems we have on the trail, in my opinion, are um, dehydration issues, tying up, things like that. Uh, so summer times when we do more trail riding usually, so I think that's important that we talk about electrolytes a little bit today. And certainly those tests too, we want to cover that, that's actually on the title. Um, but trail riding and electrolytes, most of us uh, tend to take that particular issue for granted, I think. You know, you know, we just go buy some electrolytes, maybe carry a tube in their pocket, and if they have a dehydration issue, they act like they're just not feeling good, or uh, we've been on a long trail ride, we put a little electrolyte in their mouth. Would you agree? Isn't that what most of us usually do? No. What do you do? All right. So you know, you know, you got to do something different. Absolutely. Well, I don't want you doing that, but I want you to be aware that your horse has got to have electrolytes. They've got to be prepared for that summer trail ride. Prepared for those trail rides before you go. Now, what are most of them? Many times, well, as far as electrolytes in general, as far as minerals in general, and understand that electrolytes are minerals. Okay. Do you understand that? We tend to just call electrolytes electrolytes. Well, electrolytes are truly minerals. So would it make sense that we have our horse totally balanced on minerals before we even get there? You know, that we look at that aspect of health care. You don't necessarily just want to put a salt and mineral block out. Because that, in my opinion, is killing our horses today, our salt and mineral blocks. No question. Your salt and mineral blocks, they cannot get what they need. And then if summertime comes along and the heat and the, the trail line and so on, and all you've got the salt block in there for them, folks are going to have issues, especially early in the spring. I bet you most of you use salt and mineral blocks in here, correct? I know some of you don't, but some of you do. Well, they've been around so long that it's just, it's just the way to do it. But the horse cannot get what he needs from a, from a salt block. And you're not going to be prepared come trail riding time where the horse is just getting a salt block for his salt and minerals. Salt is an electrolyte. Your potassium is electrolyte. And there's more electrolytes than just that salt and potassium. It's all the minerals. But a, salt, a horse is not a liquor, so he can't get what he needs from that block in a fast enough time to get what he needs. In fact, the biggest cause of laminitis, the biggest cause of cholera, the biggest cause of, of problems, in my opinion, is the cause of salt and mineral blocks because we rely on them too much. Have you heard that before? Some of you have. Almost all of us just use the salt block. But you know what comes springtime? Let me give you a perfect example. When do we usually have problems as far as uh, uh, colic and so on? Or laminitis? There's a, maybe a better example. In the spring. 
from the Tamanitis in the spring? Grass. The grass. Isn't a horse made to graze on grass? Why do we have a problem with grass and horses? It doesn't make sense to me. Why we should even have a problem with it. In the wild, horses can pick and choose what they eat. They can go find a pocket of mineral if they need to. They can go eat dirt, essentially, if they need to. If you're trail riding, have you ever had a horse stop and, and just absolutely take the rain out of your hands to eat a pocket of dirt somewhere on the trail? I know I have. Even if you just turn them loose sometime in a used pasture or a new pasture, they're going to go find out different areas to eat, to eat the dirt. It's because their horses are so deficient in the stuff that they really need because, for the most part, they just get blocks. They're looking for something. Most horses are just deficient in something. And then you got your the other aspect of the coin where we say, well, they're getting their minerals and their salt and so on in their feed. Well, I will bet a hundred bucks today that your horses aren't getting what they need in their feed as far as the salt and minerals. And, and I'm going to show you why. When you go home and you look at your feed bag, be sure to look at how many pounds that ideal horse is supposed to have a feed. And if your horse is getting, say, if that bag says they need five pounds for a thousand pounds horse, then they are getting everything they need as far as the vitamins and minerals, as far as recommended daily allowances anyway. You know, they're getting what was added to those grains and grain byproducts and, and all the other stuff that's in that bag of feed. But guess what? What if they're just getting a pound of feed instead of that five pound or ideal situation? If you have an easy keeper, what's the first thing you do? You're going to cut back on the feed, right? So he's only going to get maybe a little bit of feed instead of that ideal amount. You see how he's getting less of what was added to that feed? What if you have a hard keeper that needs a lot of feed? Well, he's, he's way out of balance because he's getting too much of it. So this middle-of-the-road uh, ideal horse is wonderful, but very few of us have that ideal horse. Now, we tend to think that maybe salt and mineral blocks will pick up the pieces. Well, most of your salt and mineral blocks, besides being a block that they can't lick fast enough to get what they need anyway from, they're, they're man-made, they're kill-dried, they're bleached, they're other industries, leftovers. Almost every mineral that we even put in these feeds to begin with is some other industry's leftover or they're processed in some way. So that's not necessarily a good source of mineral either. This makes sense on minerals. I'm telling you, whether you're showing or whether you're traveling or whether you're a trail rock, you've got to really pay attention to the minerals and how they drink. And how much they drink is related to how much how their mineral balance is in the body. So just expecting a salt block to block the picture problem is not enough. Just expecting a bag of feed to have everything that you need is not enough. And quite frankly, in my opinion, some of these tastes that we put in our mouth electrolyte-wise is not enough because most of those are just sugar anyway. Now, sugar's not in the electrolyte, by the way, but it's in a lot of these tubes. Sodium potassium that they put in there, uh, and many, in my opinion, they often have too much potassium even in there. Now, potassium is deadly to a horse. That's in some of these tubes. It's not that that tube's going to kill them, but think about this for a minute. Um, 
potassium itself is already a genetic issue in some breeds. Um, the Cola horse, the impressive one, with HYPP, where a horse gets too much potassium, then they can actually die. Well, it's the same way with your horse, even if he's not and it um, doesn't have a genetic issue. If he gets too much potassium in a short period of time, many times it can change the gut acidity. And when it changes the gut acidity, it's catastrophic. It, it can cause colic, laminitis, abortion, you name it. Now, why do they get too much potassium? Because their fields are full of it. Our grass is full of it because it's what we put in fertilizer. Our horses are getting fertilized for the most part through the grain, through the hay, through the soil. So all the more reason to have an available source of salt and mineral other than a block. Because they can't live fast enough to balance that potassium. So the grass that's growing is kind of um, nice and lush and green in early spring and it's pulling this potassium up from the ground because that's what brings the water with it to make it grow. If he actually can't balance himself with a big gulp of free choice versus a block, free choice salt and mineral, that potassium changes that gut pH like we talked about. So my answer, one real critical thing for the springtime, and I'm not going to say much more on electrolytes unless you have a question, is to make sure that they have a free choice, loose, available salt and mineral product. Now, we prefer a natural source of salt and mineral. Stop by the booth and they'll tell you what we can actually provide for you there. But uh, man doesn't know all the minerals out there. Man only knows certain minerals, you know. And we certainly uh, can't rely on our teeth for the most part to give us everything we need because our horse is not the ideal horse. So we've got to have a readily available, free choice, loose, soft, and mineral. And when we're trail riding or when we're traveling with a horse, we for sure hang that bucket in the stall or in the trailer and even make it available there for us. When we get to the show, we have it in the stall. See that? I, I can go down the stalls at, at, mo, at most shows. They don't have any soft or mineral in the, in the stalls. You know, they don't have any soft or minerals on the trail. I just forget that. But it's so critical that you have that available. They continue to drink water, which is another issue when you get to these shows into a strange place. Sometimes just the pouring in the water or changing the water they don't want to drink. Folks, that, that can be deadly. That can, that can cause your horses uh, death just by not um, by you not noticing how much water they're drinking. I know this stuff sounds obvious, but we tend to get so excited about going and showing that we tend to forget this stuff. But it's critical. And certainly another thing is fats, too. Most horses don't get the right fats in the diet, and this is so critical for these tying-up issues and these endurance issues. Most of our commercial feeds today are full of junk fats, hydrogenated fats. You know, the same thing is killing us, the processed fats. And your feeds are full of it because that's what they're putting. The only thing is they put it in a bag of feed and allow it to sit in a hot feed in a, in a feed room for a couple of weeks. The problem is it's kind of like plastic as far as it affects on the body. And in fact, they actually make plastic out of some of these fats. So I'd like you to take a look at uh, other more readily available, more bioavailable sources of fat other than these hydrogenated fats. Stop by the booth and pick up a magazine. We have an article on fats. I don't want to bore you with some of this stuff, but I want you to understand that fats are critical for these trail rides and for these shows and for skin problems. 
Now, most of your skin problems in horses, they're, they, they're fat deficient. Or they're not so much deficient, but maybe the wrong kind like we talked about. Just the fact that they have no steam. Does that make sense? Okay, these allergy horses are a nightmare as far as their skin goes. And if you don't have the right fats, you've got some real problems there. Let me answer her question, then we'll go on and talk about pests and so on. Yes. The question was, loose minerals, uh, do they have to be stored properly? Um, it just depends. You know, if they're man-made, which most are, like salt, so, um, the sodium chloride, white salt, by the way, is uh, generally a man-made product, not always, but it's almost always iodine. Um, other minerals are like selenium is a waste product of copper mining in most cases. Now, we use an organic selenium in our product, which is not but I'm not particularly fond of the waste product and copper mining product. Um, but do they have to be stored properly? Um, not if they're natural. You know, if they're, if they're totally natural products like theirs is, you know, they're made they're from the wild. You know, they're made from the weather. They're made to be outside. But if you're using other industries leftovers, certainly they could be, uh, you know, problems with them being exposed. Rain doesn't hurt our, our product. In fact, we suggest add some water to it can stick to the bottom of the bucket so they can't dump it out. Uh, so water's good for it. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me comment on both of this. It says he lives in Mississippi where it's real hot and he puts those electrolytes in right into feed and they also use rice bran, which is a source of fat and some essential fatty acids and so on. for those changes hour to hour. You know, when we talk about that grass supplement, that potassium market, they can't get a big gulp right then and there that moment of free choice food, salt, and mineral, then that potassium is going to be an issue. I mean, right there in that moment. So if you put it in the feed that morning at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there's a barometer change and the grass thinks it's going to die and it sucks this fertilizer up from the ground and they don't have that bucket of stuff right there where they can get a hold of it, then you can have the issue, okay? Rice bran. I'm not fond of rice bran because uh, there, there's no question about it. Rice bran uh, can actually pull calcium out of the bones. That's why they stabilize it. If you buy rice bran, it probably says stabilized rice bran. Now, most of it, and I thought this for years until I actually saw some information otherwise, I thought it was stabilized because of, of uh, rancidity, you know, to keep it from going rancid. But they stabilize it with calcium carbonate because it actually has a tendency to pull calcium out of the bones. So I'm just not real fond of it. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me to pull it out and put it back in. You know, why, why not use a better source of fat to begin with? I'm not fond of flax. Uh, because flax has a tendency to go rancid very easy, especially if it's ground flax. I just really don't want anything that's got a lot of ground flax in it already because it has a tendency to go rancid. Yes. When they say it's like, it's like ground flax. 
Uh, stabilized ground flats, I don't have a clue. If it's it stabilized flats, it's probably processed somehow to keep it from going rancid. That's how I would interpret that. I don't know what they're doing to stabilize the flats. But with rice bran, they're adding calcium carbonate to it. Uh, then there's other sources of fat. Corn oil, that's the worst source of fat you can get for it. I mean, not a good source either because it's just pure calories and um, it, corn feeds the inflammatory process, corn itself. I, would, I don't really like corn and, and feeds. The less commercial feeds, the better. In fact, we recommend those as far as feeding goes. Yes, ma'am. Well, grass tetany is primarily a problem uh, in cattle, and uh, it's traditionally thought of as a magnesium deficiency. However, I could put you in touch with several nutritional veterinarians like myself that think it's less magnesium deficiency and more salt deficiency. Okay, and there, that's the need for free choice blue salt and minerals. The need for that. Now, our part is called red cow. In fact, it's in the desert. It used to be the ocean. I'll tell you a story on minerals, then we'll get on the test. But we had a horse that had a cesarean section down at the University of Tennessee. She was there for over a month. And, you know, I didn't even think, of, just like what I was talking about earlier, I didn't even think about that, just what kind of salt and mineral she had while she was there. You know, she had major surgery and, and so on and so forth. And um, a month later, we bring her home, and she's still not perfect. You know, she's just, she's still got a belly wrap on and all this, but there's, she's just, this horse was 27 years old. She's had a hard time, to say the least, but she just wasn't perfect. And I remembered, well, you know, when I was um, back at the school, picked her up, there was a salt block, one of those red blocks, little blocks in her stall. And I thought to myself then, well, how stupid. You know, you've got the best salt and mineral out there, and here you let your horse be in this stall for a month through all this trauma and all this stuff with a stupid little salt block. And that was my thought process. Well, I got her home, and, this, uh, and I decided, well, I'm going to let her. Um, she wasn't doing great. She wasn't eating good or anything else. I said, let me just let her pick a little grass. So I took her outside and I put a letter with me. She led me, basically, with the leader. And she started going from this area around the barn to another area. She walked up in the yard. She went all over the place. And I thought she was trying to find the best grass. But when she got to an area that she liked, she started pulling the grass up by the roots. And I thought, that's strange. Then she started just absolutely digging at the dirt. And before it was over with, just in a matter of seconds, she had a hole about that big around, a little bigger than her muzzle, and about that deep where she'd eaten the dirt. And then she moved to another spot a little bit away and did the same thing again. And I said, man, this is incredible. This is what I've been, this was early in my, you know, developmental process here. This is incredible. Fortunately, I had my little phone with a video on it, so I started videoing it. But she was literally eating dirt. She was just trying to find what she was missing because she hadn't got it in that little box. And then just um, the next day, I mean, the next day, the horse was so much better. She was eating and drinking and so on and so forth. Maybe some of y'all have experienced something like that. And I know I've had other horses there on trail like literally stop and almost pull the reins out of your hands to find a pocket of dirt. You know, Mother Nature provides some pretty awesome minerals out there. We just tend to use the easy stuff. But, um, and, you know, there's animals that will travel thousands of miles just to get to a certain amount of dirt, clay, or whatever on a particular time during the year. And we tend to forget that with uh, animals. Yes, ma'am. Thank you.
Anhydrosis, you've got several effects of to refer to the minerals coming. Anhydrosis where they just don't sweat. Okay? They just um, they're well, I don't mean it's as simple as that. They just don't sweat. Minerals are absolutely critical and so are fats with those. Normally, uh, almost well, 100% of the time, if I have a horse that has anhydrosis, I get them off these salt blocks, mineral blocks, even the you know the man-made natural minerals that you are the man-made minerals that you're going to get in the feed, and just get them on a natural salty mineral, and it gets better. And then provide them a good. Uh, well, we actually use crude, unrefined, unprocessed. Uh, we even have a genetically modified organism for you know, it's not been genetically engineered soybean oil. That's what we use for our fat source. See, so those two things, um, and they usually get better without a doubt. Uh, just a matter of weeks. If at the longest. In fact, let me mention one more thing about salt, how critical it is. Um, I talk to a lot of people about their health problems too, and I'm not really practicing even medicine since I'm recording this. But anyway, I talk to a lot of people about um, health problems and what's a big problem that people have today? High blood pressure. Now we all know that salt's a problem with high blood pressure. The truth is, it's not that salt's a problem with high blood pressure. It's it's the fact that this iodized white kill-dried salt that we shake out of our shakers for the most part is what we're eating. That is the cause of high blood pressure, no question about it. But you know, I've had tremendous success with people with high blood pressure taking them off of that, but providing them with a natural source of salt. Actually, like a, a teaspoon a day, a quarter of a teaspoon a day, pure salt. I mean, now Mother Nature's salt, and guess what? Their blood pressure problems go away in these cases. Just that alone. It's incredible. I mean, it's unbelievable what these junk minerals are. Okay. We're supposed to be talking about flies and so on, too, because I think minerals and flies are, um, you know, electrolyte issues, uh, mineral issues. It's a critical summertime problem. Grass tetany, by the way, which is this lady over here that asked about that, that's, of course, is an equivalent thing would be the potassium issue that we talked about earlier. You've got to have a free choice available at all times. But what about pest control? Most of us use some type of, but let's just clarify some things. If you look at the label of the spray and it says permethrin or pyrethroid, that's a synthetic product. Okay, it's a chemical product. Pyrethrin is a more natural product. Now, we can't even call pyrethrins though natural products today because EPA got involved and so on and so forth, but they, they do come from the chrysanthemum flower. And that's typically what uh, we used to use. It was just absolutely fantastic. And then along came the more readily available, chemically made permethrins and uh, permethroids. And then came these things that just fought on the back. They scared me to death, the commercial products. They absolutely scared me to death. So uh, early on, I started trying to figure out what we could do for pests without using those. And we found several um, possibilities, but nothing worked. You know, we tried garlic. How many use garlic in here? Anybody? Okay. Garlic helps, but most of the time, you know, your barn smells like an Italian pizzeria. And it, it might help to some degree, but then it didn't really work. How many read a negative article on Charlotte, by the way? I heard something.
negative about that. A few of you have. I want to clarify that. We have, we have used, and every other holistic practitioner I know have used gallons and gallons and gallons and gallons of garlic over here, and we've never, ever seen any problems from garlic. And there was a veterinarian a while back that wrote an article in a magazine about negative effects of garlic. So I contacted her and got her sources, followed up on her sources. She led her source with the University of Illinois, and she was implying that like a teaspoon of garlic would hurt your horse. I mean, it just made no sense to me whatsoever. So I figured I'd call her on the carpet. And I did. She gave me the University of Illinois as her source. I contacted the University of Illinois. I'm, I'm telling you so you can put this myth to rest. Okay? I contacted the University of Illinois. They have the largest database, uh, toxic, toxicity database in the world, and they let me know that. And by the way, I have all this recorded if anyone ever needed to know it. Have every conversation recorded, and they said, "Well, if there's ever been a problem with garlic in a horse, we'll for sure let you know." And I paid them, you know, to do this search and check it out. Well, first of all, when I first got online uh, on the telephone, the whole time I was on the phone, and on, on hold, they were they were trying to sell me a book on toxic plants and horses. So that was the first red flag that I had. But I did the search. It came back, and they said. Told the situation with the veterinarian that wrote the article. They said we've never we've never had a case of garlic toxicity in a horse. Never. That was their exact words. Never. And I, then I said, well, you know, we've got this article and it says this, and they actually found I'd already found it, but they found the book where she got this information from, and she had mistaken a horse for a cow. Of course, we do have a problem with onions and garlic. She had, she had actually mistaken garlic for onions because they're in the same class. She assumed they were the same thing, and she was totally off on her decimal place, which meant the difference between a teaspoon and like five pounds. Now, the magazine, when I called the magazine, they printed the article, the chief editor said, um, she sure has sold a lot of books for us, and we're going to stand behind her. And then finally, after I got to the University of Illinois, contact, they did at least retract the decimal issue. Okay? That's as far as I went with it. Why is it appropriate for a horse with allergies? If garlic boosts the immune system, is it appropriate for a horse for allergies? Garlic's appropriate for anything. It's just an awesome product for people, for horses, or whatever, in my opinion. But it's not enough, and it's not enough for flies, uh, in my opinion. At least I haven't had tremendous success with it. Maybe some of y'all have. But it is a great source of sulfur. It's a tremendous source of sulfur. And it does help the immune system. And we have garlic in a lot of our products. That's why I want to clear this up. I mean, if I was having a problem out there, I wouldn't know. Now, we've had you know, 20,000 horses on our product, but they've never had any issues. But I still wanted to find out if there was something. And I didn't know about. Then there was another little research done in Canada that said garlic's toxic. And this was actually like a research product, like a research like 12 horses or something. So I was not my 12, my 20,000 horses, or 12 horses any day, especially when you consider most research, the source of most research. And you've got to literally follow the money trail and see what the reason behind it. Most of these negative things that come out on a natural supplements or natural things 
the drug companies for goodness sakes. You know, they don't want anything natural to work because they can't make the money off of it. You can't patent natural things. So, I mean, I hate to... If you all know me, you know I just kind of tell it like it is. Follow the money trail on anything that you see. Research can be made to come out however you want. And guess what? Most of your universities anymore won't even start to research unless they have the grant from the company to pay for it, and they expect certain results before they even do it. For your drug, look at look at the human drugs. They have, where they change the tune on them. You know, I don't want to mention names, but you know what I'm talking about. It comes out and everybody takes it, and two years later they've got 20,000 deaths or whatever, and then they say, well, it's not good for them. And you just don't hear that on natural products. You know, one little thing on the Fedro a while back, three or four years ago, as far as people go, you know, they were taking massive doses of it, totally using it wrong where a few people died. Just a few people, and they they, they attacked the natural drug in the, the, the natural supplement market because of a few situations like that. Do you know how many people died from taking aspirin last year? Just a normal dose of aspirin. Last year, over 2,000 people died just from aspirin. So I think we've got something wrong there as far as our health care system. They don't like me, by the way. I tell it like it is, as I say. But anyway, garlic. I love garlic. Our product has less than 10% garlic, just a small amount. We, we do have a natural product for plot. Another, another ingredient that I found that's very beneficial, especially for flies and mosquitoes and ticks and everything, is grapeseed. And none of these truly work by themselves, but we have a combination of fantastic. But, but grapeseed, anyone use grapeseed in their horses' diets or supplements? Not many. Well, it's hard to get for one, it's expensive for another, but we've been able to work out some great things with some great growers and we got some super sources. But anyway, grapeseed. It is amazing what that can do for the health of your horse. From a perspective of bugs, uh, it actually strengthens the immune system, it helps fortify the skin, it strengthens the capillaries, it just makes them more resistant to biting insects. Now I know how beneficial it was, or is, because at one time I was working with a human company that had just a little grapeseed, grapeseed product, a human product, and, and capsules, this company sold like $250 million worth of these little capsules in a five-year period, and the benefits of people was unbelievable. I mean, every imaginable problem was taken care of, or at least helped with these little capsules. In fact, during my transition from conventional medicine to holistic medicine, I had a horse that was brought to me um, from several states away, and this horse had COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or heaves. This horse, uh, they heard that I could help it, and, and, I, and I said, well, you know, man, this horse is really, really, really bad. I mean, he was barely having, not barely able to breathe, and really working hard on every breath, and his skin is all beautiful horse, but obviously in some major distress. I've seen so much results from the great feet alone. I started breaking these capsules open for this horse and just putting them in his feet. You know, like $300 a month worth of capsules on this horse. And you know what? The horse got better. And he went home. And he, and he lived many, many more years after that. Just some grapeseed. Grapeseed is phenomenal. And I have 
a special place in my heart for COPD, for you know, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, because my dad had died from it about five years before that. And at that time in my life, I was so close to anything natural that I just left it up to the med school to take care of the problems, you know? I had a family, Duke, and Vanderbilt, and all these places, and I was so close that I wouldn't look at anything natural, nothing. I mean, I was the kind of guy that wouldn't even, that didn't even recommend vitamins for dogs. You know, I thought Serena had all the answers. That's where I was at one time in my life. Unfortunately, I, um, you know, I'm it was incredible uh, changing all these things happened for a reason because at least it opened my eyes to a, a better way a more natural approach to everything and allowed me to you know step back from those I, mean, I, I actually saw my clinic after my dad died they didn't practice I was so frustrated with medicine you know how could something as simple a lung problem everything else be alright and 56 years of age not you know and I felt I knew then what I know now, he'd still be here. Because I've been using things like antioxidants, like, uh, like the grape seed. And I've been using other therapies, uh, natural therapies. And he'll be better. I have no doubt of that. Because I see so many DB horses get better now. Most of them have already been on a steroid. The antihistamines, you know, the things that just cover up the symptoms. And that's what they were using on them. It's just steroids. And chemotherapy type things to, to, to suppress the immune system. You know, you've got to look at medicine in a different way. You've got to help the immune system. You've got to uh, help, it, uh, help it heal itself, provide the nutrients and so on. This makes sense. And we can just shoot those drugs in there, shoot those steroids, shoot those whatever. And it always leads to something else. You know, you might get something, one thing better, but then you have some other consequences as a result, some other negative side effects. But you have to have a whole different group of drugs. And you have another set of symptoms that you have to use another drug for. Geriatrics? How many drugs are they on for the disease? My oh, goodness, it's mind-boggling. It's been a whole social security check on medication. The average woman, 47 years of age, is on seven different drugs. So anyway, sorry, get on my soapbox and get carried away. So we talked about garlic, we talked about grapes, and I want to talk about a few more things and let me answer these questions. Okay. No. Grape seed oil is fine too, that would be okay, but I haven't found grape seed extract. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, we're real careful with the, with the sources on the grape seed. There are some types that are better than others. We've actually, I've been sitting here, I get too close to it. Stop by the booth and we'll talk about that, okay? Yes, ma'am. Oh, the horse was breathing great. He started gaining weight and all the work. Yeah, even all actually showed him again for a couple of years. I've had actually horses coming. And I'm not saying just treat them with grape seeds because there's better ways now. But that was my first um, real uh, introduction to how well a natural product can fix something major. Okay? But, uh, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many horses now I've seen where the, you know, the vets have told them to put them down and, you know, you know I'll be, be lucky if he's alive when I get home stories like that that have done good just with herbal supplements and so on. So another question here, yeah. 
Would that help a thyroid problem? That, I tell you, the biggest thing that would help a thyroid problem is getting those salt and minerals right. See, the problem with thyroid is we tend to, and the fats, everything we talked about so far will help a thyroid problem, everything will. But the problem, uh, real quickly on thyroid, is that since we're talking about drugs, we're giving these thyroid medications, and we might take them ourselves for a little thyroid, and we kind of take over for the thyroid. And when you take over for the thyroid with a synthetic hormone, you literally shut the thyroid down because the body says, well, I don't need to produce that anymore. So it actually starts shutting the thyroid down. So again, I'm trying to take a different approach to thyroid problems and provide the nutrients to the thyroid to start working again. Because guess what? The thyroid is responsible for so much more than just that little synthetic hormone that you're supplementing it with. It's responsible for the whole metabolism of the body. So if you, you know, looking at it from a different perspective, let's get this out of our functioning again so that it can start producing everything. You say, well, that's not possible. Well, it is possible if you get the right fats in the body, get rid of these commercial junk fats, like you're going to get commercial seeds, and you get rid of the commercial salts and minerals, and get them on natural minerals, and you probably micronutrients in these natural minerals you haven't even discovered before. And they're easier to use than a block. Even if you just hang a bucket on a fence post and make sure there's something in it all the time. Easier to use. Never even have to wash the bucket, for goodness sake. So, uh, okay, so we've talked about garlic, we've talked about uh, grape seeds. What's another controversial product? Not controversial, my mind, but it's like man's work. Anyone ever heard of that? The biggest place I've heard of that is for use for parasites. Well, I'm here to tell you, in my opinion, it does not work as a dewormer, totally by itself. can't get them to eat enough of it by itself. It's a wonderful ingredient, however. And we use it in a lot of our products, but please don't rely on it to just to do that as a dewormer. You know, I'm all for natural dewormers, but that's not enough. The best way to, to handle parasites, which is internal parasites, is to be people Even the other lecture, the one yesterday on uh, uh, insulin resistant and metabolic issues and fat overweight crazy that forces, hopefully we'll have those uh, now actually recorded and I'll try to have them on our website so you can go in and listen. We have a lot of different topics on there where you can listen to that. It's naturalhorseset.com. So naturalhorseset.com. But uh, Dr. Major Surf is a wonderful product and we have it in our um, Check is the name of the product. We have it in there, and we have it in there for, um, primarily because it does help with the larvae and the manure. But see, you want a product that actually, in my opinion, that helps with the larvae and the manure, but you also want a product that helps with health. You know, you can take care of larvae and the manure all day long, but if you got flies on your horses, it's not a good thing, right? Now, granted, you're going to have less flies around the farm, and your fly predators are a good way to help with that, too. I've heard great results with those. Um, but DE, the diatomaceous earth, is fantastic for helping with the water in the manure. And it's more environmentally sound, in my opinion, than, than some of these chemical products that you feel. Think, think about some of these chemicals that you're feeling to fill the water in the manure for a minute. 
system of organophosphates. Very toxic is what they used to make pea powers out of. It's like, you know, ground up pea powers. It's like feeding them ground up pea powers, for goodness sake. Same chemical. But then goes through the horse, is deposited in the manure, kills the larvae. Folks, what else is that killing? You know, is it killing your son? Probably. What keeps the soil healthy? Unformed? You know? So I'm not too fond of those types of things. In fact, there's a lot of information out there that's negative about those things, and I'm just right there with it. It's not good for your whole. Now there's some other products that are uh, insect growth regulated, and I'm sure those are a thousand times better, but usually they just take care of flies. Okay? The beauty of a more natural approach is you're going to, if you strengthen the immune system and you help um, strengthen the capillaries and all this kind of stuff, you're going to help with all the immune system. You know, mosquitoes, ticks, and the whole world. So, um, and the next ingredient that, uh, has, that we found is helpful is thiamine, or B1. And no one really knows how B1 works, but it does. Based on my experience, I mean, we've got 20,000 milligrams now in a mixture of these things that we just talked about. It took me about 100 batches to get the right combination of those, none of which work by themselves, but together they're incredible. In fact, we've all called her a smart pack. It's their uh, most popular product. It says it right in the magazine. It really works great. It's a super product. But it's the combination there. And then there's other things you can sprinkle around the wine and so on, even help more with the flying insects. But the beauty of this, this approach is you've got flies and seeds, ticks. Those are big problems on the trail. Those are big problems in the barn. Those are big problems anywhere. So uh, if you have any questions on those, if you'd like to see what we're talking about more, stop by the booth. Any questions on this? Have I totally bored you? No? Yes, ma'am.
Okay. Um, any other questions, summer wise, or I mean, that we can any, any question, period, as far as that goes, we can keep it along the terms of summer, uh, preparing for summer? Yes, ma'am. Vinegar? I haven't found that it works. But some people swear by it, you know, but I just haven't found that it's got effect. I worry about using acids and basic, you know, real end of the spectrum type acidity things or basic things in the gut of the horse. You don't want changes at the level in the gut of the horse too much. If you want to look at
don't need it. Every cell surrounding God will take whatever amount of oats you, your horse needs. Usually it's like the same volume of whatever junk feed you're feeding now. Okay? Add the just that oats, add the oil to it. Free choice will reduce off the minerals. Don't check. You know, for the summertime, I know a lot of people use them year-round now because it's just so healthy for them. And that's the feeding program. If you have a joint issue or a health issue, you have a foot check or a kidney check or some other type of problem, we have to get you over the hump. For the most part, you know, you just need the basic, which is oats, just that oats, and oil, and then you've got, you know, the free choice of the olive oil. If a horse actually seeking moss or some type of rotten timber in the woods, I'd have to think about that. I don't really know. Do you have one that does that too? I don't really have an answer for that off the top of my head. But I will think about it. Okay? Yes, ma'am. We use a crude, unrefined, unprocessed, that's key, not hydrogenated storage at all. And we actually even have a uh, genetically modified organism for it's not been genetically engineered. We didn't have somebody going to the field to certify that those seeds are. Now, you know, what, what is this genetically modified stuff? I, honestly, we had a great source of oil before that that just was not genetically. We didn't know if it was genetically modified or not. There was no question. We just didn't know. It was a big question. We just didn't know. Over the years, we had a lot of clients keep asking for genetically modified organisms because they do a lot of, you know, soybeans, they're pretty much all genetically modified. It's like a lot of our dreams today. And I resisted for years, thinking, well, you know, I, I finally gave in, I finally took about three years to find a source of GMO-free soybean oil that it, it was not processed. And I finally found it, and we ordered the power of it, and we started using it, and lo and behold, we got better results. So now we're getting such good results from it, um, weight-wise, and so on, that that's kind of what we're phasing out of that energy on the order now. It's called weight check, by the way. So. Okay, if horses in the wild don't eat grain primarily, why do I recommend oats? Excellent question. Because oats is a seed head. In the wild, that's exactly what they would eat is seed heads. Not necessarily oats. There are wild oats, but you know, they would actually seek out seed heads for their fat source. So they do eat it in the wild. Yes. Fertilization factors. The problem with fertilized pastures, as we talked earlier about the spring, laminitis and so on, um, that occurs in the springtime and founder and so on, it's exactly what these minerals help take care of. Because all we're putting in our grain, all, all we're putting on our pastures, all that's in our hay, all that's in our grains, for the most part, is fertilized. Nitrogen, so potassium, and phosphorus. The 10, 10, 10 fertilizer. And it's just not good for a horse to have fertilizer. You know, the potassium is deadly if they can't balance it with a stick, or a free choice, and salt and mineral. So we, the only thing we fertilize our fields with right now is lime. Lime's not really considered a fertilizer. But if you have weeds in your field, you need to lime your field like crazy. We are working on an organic fertilizer. Um, we are uh, actually uh, taking cattle manure and we're feeding it to earthworms. 